bred like a wild animal. Very curious about his tools. I messed with the gain. I messed with the gain yesterday, so I, I don't want to pick up too much extra stuff. Yeah, I need somebody to send me like curtains and things like that because my my office is nothing but hard. Uh, Get surfaces. your green screen. Yeah. Right <laughs> you they can fill in whatever you want. Yeah. They have that on the um, what's the the the, the Apple. The iChat thing. We do video. You can do green screen with that. So we're um, uh, we've got. Uh, let's see. Who am I again? I'm Brian Carpenter. <laughs> and I'm Brent Biotti. And we're here on the Hot Isle podcast. Today is uh, what is today? Today is Friday, and it's what date is today? It's June fifth. June fifth, and we've got the illustrious, the famous, the world famous VM Tyler at VM Tyler or Tyler Britton with us. Tyler, thanks for being on. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. So Tyler, I always like to get let everybody else. I say it really snarky. Why do I know you? Who are you? So um, I, I don't like to admit why I know you, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I work for I work for EMC. I work in uh, EMC's cloud solutions, do, doing technical marketing stuff, uh, focused mainly on OpenStack and Cloud Foundry. So your your official job title is technical marketing stuff guy. Yeah, more stuff guy. It gets it gets long. Um, so basically, anything that's technical and that stuff you can do. Yes, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> well, we appreciate you having you here today, and obviously, you're you're uh, you've got. I can see you here in your beautiful EMC hat and this. Uh, I need you to stand up a little bit here. This OpenStack, yeah. this OpenStack shirt. For those of you on the, who are only listening, he's got a, a great um, IKEA style OpenStack shirt. I think he's going to send me one. I'm a medium, by the way. So yeah. you, when you get one, <laughs> this is uh, medium this husky. Is... Medium husky. Yes. <laughs> this is from. Um... From uh, Marantis, they usually all the. That's one of the things seems to be is like hot T-shirts, um, you know, interesting T-shirts each year at the the summit. This was from Marantis from uh, Atlanta last year. Um, the most interesting, they actually had my favorite one this year. I would did not get to their booth early enough to get one because uh, this year was hot on uh, this this past summit in Vancouver a couple weeks back. Uh, apps were hot, so like this app catalog concept. So their shirt was if you've ever played Legend of Zelda. You know, when you pause and go to the you know art, you know the screen where you're gonna pick all your stuff, they have it set up that way so it even has like rupees and and, and stuff like that on the shirt, and it says uh, it's dangerous to go alone. You know, take this with you. That's awesome. So it's a really cool shirt. So they were gone within hours. Yeah, that's a like a link shirt that even somebody who didn't know what OpenStack would wear. I think. They yeah. yeah. Know, know immediately. That's awesome. Well, we uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I was reading on I was on Flipboard this morning, and when you said Zelda. It, for whatever reason, the way the graphics look on that remind me a lot of of Minecraft, which I've never played. Um, but my understanding from this article this morning was um, Minecraft is a it's an open world, it's an unending world. But people are literally going to the what they're calling the edges of the game. That even though it 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 is unlimited, the code breaks down after a cer- certain period of time to where all these glitches start to appear, and people are looking for these anomalies and taking pictures and posting them online. Uh, there's a guy that's that's been doing it now for three years. Um, it's like one and a half hours every week, and he keeps finding new glitches, but they're saying the game will eventually break down by the year 2030 if he continues doing what he's doing. So This is anyway. what happens when you let Microsoft <laughs> buy you. Yeah, <laughs> if he that's cool. I had no idea. Uh, you, what is uh, what is it? Um, Minecraft. 
Minecraft and Mahjong or whoever owns it. Sorry, all those M's, right? Tongue tied. <laughs> um, if if what's his name hadn't sold out and let Mike, Microsoft buy Mahjong in Minecraft, see all those <laughs> M's there. Uh, we sell seashells by the seashore. We <laughs> can, uh, you know, imagine it probably wouldn't be broken at all. So we should really blame this on Bill Gates, right? <laughs> well, it that, makes you wonder though if 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 Open Scale is a it's an endless scaling um, a you know project and protocol like. Will it break down once you reach the, the, the edges of, of the scaling? Yeah, I mean, I'm, well, honestly, that's the deal is there's, there's no such thing as, as unlimited scale, right? Is really what it comes down to <laughs> is we have all these things. Well, we've designed it this way and we think it'll scale. And, and a great example was uh, the Cloud Foundry Summit uh, a couple weeks back. They were talking about uh, their new, um, new system called Diego. It's uh, Cloud Foundry 2.0. And originally last year when they talked about it, they came up with this distributed manager scheduler thing. So it could scale way bigger and sounded great and they did all these test cases. Well, they came back this year to say, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. And, and the reason was is they would scale it. They got to, say, 400 nodes and it worked, but they found some weird things. So they added some code and fixed it. And then they scaled it to 1,000 nodes and it would break again. Every time they hit different scaling points, it introduced new issues. I mean, it should, I mean it's just basic uh, kind of computer science theory thing. If you think about... You have to have multiple nodes that talk to each other. At some point, the system gets so big, there's m every new node you add is adding more internode chatter than work it's actually doing. Um, so that's when you get to these, you know, you say like, oh, like, uh, you know, like a, a vSAN cluster or something like that. Well, why can't I make, you know, 10,000 of them? Well, at some point, the, you know, the, the scaling stuff starts to break down. So you have to go to a new model altogether. So has, yeah, somebody, we've got a, has somebody written a uh, chaos monkey for OpenStack? Um, no, not exactly. The, it breaks enough on its own, so uh, they don't they don't need an outside process. <laughs> don't say that. That's yeah. not true. <laughs> no, what, what what they've been focusing a lot on is testing. Uh, obviously, it's it's OpenStack's being built in a you know true modern continuous integration, continuous deployment. Um, there's there's a number of tests, uh, even documentation. You want to write some documentation for OpenStack? There's there's still tests that run. Uh, that look for like spaces at the end of lines and things like that that don't belong there. Uh, so if you um, do a, a patch to even uh, some documentation, it'll run a, a series of tests against it and kick it out. And what another thing that's been growing is a project called Rally, which is a, a test suite for OpenStack. Um, they're using it as part of this new uh, Def Core thing where they're basically saying, what's the minimum set of capabilities to test against? And they're starting to test the distributions against it to get that interoperability, and they're using it with a, with a tool called Rally. Um, you can also write your own as a customer. You can have your own uh, Rally configs, for example, like Bluebox. When they set up a new customer environment, they have their own Rally tests. They run against the environment to make sure everything's ready to go. Uh, so I think that's like the first phase of that. Um, and then I think some of the larger installs, customers have built some custom one-off things uh, to do ongoing kind of uh, uh, testing and, and nothing to the level of the Chaos Monkey, but I, I think things are getting there. And Blue Box was just bought by IBM recently. I don't know a whole lot about Blue Box, but uh, it seems like certainly there's this 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 idea of OpenSat companies getting kind of bought up and. Uh, that ecosystem is is kind of boiling down. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think it's I think it's just kind of one of those natural waves of things. Um, you know, there's there's consolidation, right? There's growth, change, and then consolidation. Uh, so we saw Blue Box got bought. Uh, EMC bought Cloud Scaling last year. Um, we saw Nebula actually went out of business earlier this year, and actually Oracle scooped up kind of their uh, the leftovers from Nebula, hired a bunch of Nebula people, and bought up some of the Nebula IP. 
um, recently as well. Uh, and then you had uh, who was the other one? That Cisco. Just, Cisco just bought Piston. Uh, yeah, they bought Meta, days ago. They bought MetaCloud early last year, I think, and then mm-hmm. Piston um, at the same day as Blue Box. I guess that was Tuesday or something like that. Yeah, it yeah. was a Buy an Open Stock Company Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> buy one, get one free. It was yeah. coupon. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're, they're, everyone's buying stuff like EMC does, right? Yeah. You so, buy three at a time, and you get a you get a better deal. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think there's 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 a couple things going on. Uh, really, to me, there's there's three models to make money in OpenStack land or, or even open source land, right? There's um, there's using it as part of something bigger, uh, as part of a bigger system, you know, like a, a Red Hat that's taking OpenStack. They're putting uh, their own paths on top of it. They're plugging in all their management components to that. Their service, whether it's service providers or hosted private, people like Rackspace, Bluebox, uh, MetaCloud was basically a similar thing. Uh, and then their services, right? That's where Marantis, uh, they have their own distribution, um, but mainly their money comes from OpenStack services. So there's a lot of different ways adjusted. So you're seeing, um, I think, the trying to do the OpenStack as an appliance thing, which uh, Nebula, uh, Cloud Scaling, and um, Piston, that was like their big thing. I think they may have been a little early. So the early OpenStack adopters weren't weren't looking for that as the enterprise is really starting to to pick up OpenStack. They're looking for more stuff like that. So I think we'll see the next wave, the the second generation of OpenStack companies start to come up besides just the big vendors. So I think we'll see some new startups uh, as well in that space. Are you starting yeah. your own startup there? Uh, yeah, totally. Is that a threat? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, these days the money that 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 VCs are throwing around uh, on some of these startups are uh, is pretty amazing, and some of the valuations they're putting out there is is incredible. So I, I think I think if you can talk someone with money into giving you money, now's a good time to do it. So if you could if you could boil this open stock thing down into like one sentence, maybe even a run on sentence, um, just what uh, what do you think that you what would you say to somebody for that? Sure, OpenStack is a open source um, cloud operating system. So it's the it's a collection of projects that together you can use to build your own cloud. And those uh, those projects we're talking about Swift and Cinder things like that. Out of all of those, like which ones like which one's your favorite? Which one when you go, man, OpenStack, I love that part. Or you know, <laughs> what is what does the industry kind of call their favorite? So there there's interesting um, uh, Randy Bias. Former uh, founder of Cloud Scaling, that's now uh, works for EMC. He did his State of the Stack presentation, which I highly recommend catching it. All the uh, OpenStack Summit talks are all on YouTube, so if you go to YouTube uh, OpenStack Foundation, you'll find them all there. Uh, and he taught he did a, a user survey asking people similar question: What's your favorite project? Least favorite project? Uh, my personal favorite project is actually Trove, which is a database as a service. Uh, but there, I mean, there's 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 dozens of projects. Some that are part of the OpenStack family. Some that are right outside of it. Some are more mature. So obviously, like Nova, Swift, are the two original projects. They're very mature. Uh, Neutron is challenged, uh, to say the least. Um, Solometer, the uh, project to do uh, reporting, is uh, is is a bit of a problem as well. Reporting's so always last. It's always yeah. last. Well, the problem with, with Solometer is the way it's trying to collect data and seen instances where Solometer is putting more workload on the OpenStack environment than the workload you're running on OpenStack, which you'd never want to do as a monitor or an agent or something like that. So that's uh, that's some of the stuff that we're dealing with with Solometer. Um, but yeah, there, there's tons of, I mean, there's Designate, there's Congress, there's all these projects. Um, Magnum is one to do container management. Um, but I think the the core ones are what people are still into, right? Nova, Keystone, Swift, Cinder, um, the, those main ones. 
Uh, there's ones I think people universally dislike Neutron. Um, and then there's the kind of interesting ones on the edge, like Trove is database as a service, which I find really interesting. You can use to deploy um, not just things like people think like Redis or MySQL or Mongo, but with uh, there's a vendor that, that contributes a lot to Sora. They also you can deploy Oracle with it. You can deploy uh, some other things too. So it's a it's a really cool kind of uh, you know uh, database as a service offering. So it deploys databases, um, NoSQL type. Is it is it anything like can it be key value pairs? Can it be um, you know straight just structured or unstructured or any of those things? What's the, what's all, the flavor? All the above. So you can deploy MySQL, Postgres, Oracle, or you know to get your traditional transactional SQL uh, key value pair uh, stores like Redis. Also, NoSQL like uh, CouchDB, Mongo, those are all supported by Trove. And it's a pretty uh, straightforward system to add additional support. So like I said, uh, Tesora has been putting a lot of work into that uh, because they, you know, they keep some of that, that, you know, their enterprise edition where they, uh, so like some of the Oracle, more advanced Oracle features are in their enterprise edition, but they're the, uh, they've been contributing a lot back to, uh, to the actual Trove project itself. And you can even do things like highly available SQL. Uh, not just, hey, hmm. give me a database, but give me a MySQL cluster. Uh, I want to do database snapshots. I want to do database backups. More of the full feature, not just spin me up a database type stuff. Interesting. So when you talk about co- the contributions that are coming for those things, you reminded me of some other questions we had for you. Uh, one, we'd like to know what EMC is contributing, but also we'd like to know specifically what VM Tyler is contributing, <laughs> if anything. So, so on the EMC front... Uh, obviously, we started with Cinder, the, the block storage project, and contributing initially drivers, right? That's the bare minimum. Make your stuff work with uh, the Cinder project. Um, but we, we've been elevated over the last couple of versions to contributing a decent bit of code in there, things like uh, consistency groups. Um, um, we've also started a, another project, a spinoff of Cinder called Manila, which is uh, file storage as a service. So we've been contributing a lot there. Uh, mainly, it's us, NetApp, and Mirantis doing a lot of contrib- contributions around Manila. Um, so we've even started to get into some other. There's a project called Barbican, which is uh, key management as a service, right? As part of OpenStack. So if you're doing some sort of encryption or SSH keys, and you you want to do better key management, uh, we've been contributing there a little. And I believe to Oslo also, which is uh, trying to centralize some of the OpenStack libraries so each of the projects aren't having to recreate the wheel. Uh, so we've been contributing more and more in that space. The EMC Federation as a whole, obviously, is is, is more uh, involved. Uh, the old NYSERA team, the now NSX of VMware, contributing a lot of code to Neutron uh, as well, uh, as well as Nova for the um, for the vCenter, vSphere management components in there. So uh, Federation-wide, we've been contributing a good bit, looking for be- more places to contribute. Uh, we've also been active uh, lately in what they call uh, working groups. So um, OpenStack... Uh, as it's grown, matured, runs into you know growing pains like anything. One of the challenges is developers want to work on whatever shiny new toy, um, but the operators may not want that. The operators may say, "No, make it easier to upgrade. I don't care if you add support for containers. I want you know." So there's that that kind of how do we uh, determine what stuff we work on, and and that's where the uh, product management working group has has come from to say, "Hey, how can we?" Um, how can we kind of line those things up better to take feedback from the operators uh, and, and take that to the developers to make sure we're working on the right things? There's also a win the enterprise working group, which says, hey, how do we help? What are, what's missing? What's stopping enterprises from, from getting involved? And there, there's a ton of enterprises actually being involved in that, too, like Intel. 
uh, getting involved in those, not as even as a vendor, but as a, as a user. Uh, so that's where we're kind of getting involved as a whole. For me, um, limited. So I have I have one documentation um, uh, commit and a number of reviews, but that's uh, that's really it at this point. I actually put together the commit was uh, as part of some documentation, I, which I have in my blog, vmtyler.com, basically walks you through how to contribute to documentation. So even if you're not a... A coder documentation is one of the great places to contribute to, especially when you come in new. So a lot of documentation is written by people who wrote the code, so they make a lot of assumptions. Um, and if you've ever read documentation, especially open source documentation, you know, wait, how do I get from there to there? Just do that. Like you gave me one sentence, which turned into ten hours and forty steps, uh, kind of thing. So you know, why not go back, fix that documentation for the next person that comes along? Yeah, I'm actually yeah. looking forward to that specifically with uh, Copperhead because. I'm sure it's going to come out. You know, the the documentation will be interesting, like you said. So um, I'm looking forward to using that as an opportunity to kind of put things out there on GitHub and and practice my Git skills, as it were. Uh, we're not nearly as smart as you, but we're working on it, man. So yeah, hey. we all we all strive for something. That's that's true. So you you know you and I were talking on Twitter this week. You actually said something, and you always say things that make me absolutely crack up on Twitter. I'm glad I don't ever read your stuff while I'm like trying to talk to customers because I would die, and they'd be like, "What's so funny?" It'd be like a teacher. Uh, and so you specifically said, you know, there's so many conferences, it's almost like conference for the sake of conference. And, you know, it made me think maybe we should set up something called t-shirt con where we get all the vendors to bring their, bring their a game and get them to come in and bring their best t-shirt. And let's just have a conference where everybody can come and get nothing but swag and get those (laughs) awesome shirts. Swag, swag con 2015 swag con. I mean, I think we can set this thing up and can you imagine what we'd come out with? I mean, people would bring their game. We'd have all sorts of different fabrics. You know, all sorts of, I think all shirts, only one size, that's, you know, medium. And, um, you know, that's what you get. It's what it is. Uh, but, you know, I was curious what, you know, what would be, if there were your five favorite shirts you could drop in there from all the conferences you've been to, and you've been to a billion, it's, you're on, you're on point. Now, I think man. it's a bazillion. That, yeah, that's a, t- that's a tough call. I mean, um, as you see, as the, the younger conferences uh, have smaller companies and less people in legal and marketing to be like, no, don't do that. Uh, so you generally see some of the better, more interesting T-shirts. You also see some of the real big swing and misses. Where you're like, wow, that's that's a little aggressive. Um, is, back, when, is back the F up a swing and miss? Um, That's... That's a borderline one. I thought, you know, it was good at the time. I think it just doesn't have staying. It's like Wayne's World, right, man? Have you popped that movie in recently? Yeah. Oh, it does. It does. It doesn't. It doesn't age well. It's 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 like old milk. <laughs> tell that. To went, Chad. Tell that to Chad. I know. I I, I put it. I was, somehow it came up. I was telling my wife. She's like, I've never seen. It. I'm like, oh, well, you have to watch it. Let's pop it in. She's like, this movie sucks. I was like, this movie does suck. No, no. I like ruined why? my childhood watching it. So like, what's yeah. your, what's your favorite shirt to pull out? Hmm. I'm trying to think. My current. I'm I'm all. I'm completely over the. Uh, um, keep calm and whatever shirts like that. Oh yeah, uh, I have a keep calm and deploy OpenStack one, but that's like a uh, it doesn't leave the house type uh, shirt. Um, Try to think. My favorite one right now is. Um, hmm. So my all, while you're thinking, my all time favorite is a Sofo shirt that I got at RSA a couple of years ago, and it says uh, right you know right on the chest it says uh, if you can read this I need to adjust my security settings, and it's not for me. <laughs> uh, I gave it to my, my gorgeous wife, uh, uh, you know, whom, which I outkick my punk coverage, as you well know. And uh, I let her wear it. And the, uh, the, the reactions that she gets are, are priceless in combination with that shirt. So sometimes it's a bit situational where the shirt really works out, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. 
Yeah, some good. There's there's been some good. One. I can't think of one off the top of my head that because they usually don't. They, I've gotten. I've been trying to uh, keep my keep them to just the, the cream of the crop. Now, like you said, you go to enough conferences. Uh, you know, the first conference, you can tell people when it's like their first conference, and they got bags and bags of swag from every event. And like, you, you do that the first. The, I remember the first VM World I went to. It's like, oh, I'll take one of those and one of those and all these shirts. And then you know, we're like, what am I gonna do with all this stuff? To the point now where a lot of the um, the cleaning staff at the hotels I stay with, I'm sure they're them and their families are well dressed in bad conference uh, attire <laughs> uh, that I, that I leave behind in the hotel rooms. That's great. Yeah, I think I actually have a swag. I think I have a swag bag right behind me from the last <laughs> VM World that I haven't even emptied yet. <laughs> so yeah, you know, um, you know Jeff Olson, right? Absolutely. What um, you know, I've had him out right to talk OpenStack, but um, I think. Just to, to dive deeper in, I know you're you're kind of like the the guru on technical marketing within EMC, but what does what does Jeff do? Uh, I know he came from Rackspace and and uh, is definitely part of the the OpenStack community and presents at the summits and things like that. But uh, don't we have a division within within EMC that focuses on all things OpenStack? So not exactly not a division, uh, but the sure. group. So we're, it's kind of a uh, it's it's kind of a community within a community uh, within EMC. So like for example, um, Octo, uh, the office's CTO, is leads our OpenStack contributions. Um, they do a lot of work. For example, one of the big uh, upcoming use cases for OpenStack is NFV, network function virtualization. So really large telcos, uh, basically taking all their different. Um, network gear and just running it all virtual, right? So it allows them to reconfigure their networks much much easier, much uh, more quickly. So NFV is a, is a hot area, and uh, Office of CTO is leading on that. Um, the R group, uh, Cloud Solutions, we've been doing a lot of the reference architecture work, so partner work with Marantis, Canonical, Red Hat, you know, testing our stuff with them. Um, one of the things that Jeff does, so Jeff's responsible for our OpenStack um, portfolio development, so, oh boy. Yeah. I, I had, had to be there. The that's my fault. Shows. So keep going. Yeah. I decided yeah. to take a selfie of myself and I disrupted the entire thing. So go ahead. We're all on Skype. We can all see one another. And yeah. here's Mr. Carpenter over there just taking a selfie. You need to get the selfie stick, dude. Like really, to, to make it pop, you want to get all your surroundings. Oh, you're, you're there's, one, there's, one, there's one here somewhere. So He has one. Yeah, it, it, Tommy Trogdon, who we had on last week, would absolutely rip me for it. So, Tyler, I'm sorry. <laughs> for, I'm sorry for the disrespect. I treated you like the other Tyler. Um, and uh, I, I'm sorry for the disrespect. So Whoa, I, there's another Tyler. Tell yeah. me more. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know all about another Tyler. <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah, and that's your uh, that's your that's your work parent, isn't it? Uh, yeah, he is. He is. He is the boss man, right? Uh, did he? Did he, he? So he became a manager. Does that mean he? Did he lose his technical skills along the way, and he, so he had to decide to become a manager, or what's up with that? No, you know this guy's still a stud, right? So he's a, a V specialist, a VMware specialist within EMC, and I know he's still. Uh, He's still that's just still his passion, right? But uh, his his title is is boss man, so uh, he still does those duties and then the others as well. But uh, see, he's managing them quite well. See, that's not what he told me. He told me he really had a passion for Excel spreadsheets and Salesforce, <laughs> which which he thought he could really leverage in a in a management capacity. Well, so here's the thing, right? So he runs that on a virtual machine, so it's kind of like the best of both worlds, right? Perfect for him. So do you? Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, Tyler. So if you still have that thought, you're welcome. Yeah, to yeah. It. Oh, Jeff Olson. Yeah. So Jeff, um, what he's responsible for within uh, uh, global services is development of our OpenStack services portfolio. 
So this is, you know, like I mentioned earlier, one of the ways to uh, to engage business-wise with OpenStack is, is services. So his job is to figure out um, what services we should be offering and then, you know, what they should look like and what people do we need to be able to deliver those services. Do we have them in-house? Do we need to hire them? So his job is to develop our, uh, our OpenStack portfolio of services. So speaking of do we have the talent, I, I've got to think we do, right? I mean, we, we uh, hired the guy from... Um, Geez, what is it? Uh, Pistons, Pistons co-founder and OpenStack, right? Josh McKenty. Mm-hmm. He's Pivotal over at Pivotal. Yeah, yeah, I mean, most recently from Amazon. I mean, from uh, Amazon, though, correct? He went from Piston to Amazon. Is that correct? Or? No. No, he went directly. So. That's, uh, I'm trying came to think. From yeah, they came from Piston. Okay. It was Pivotal in 2014. Hire. Yeah, they did hire someone else from AWS. Uh, it was for- Benjamin Black. He was the AWS creator. We just got that guy in March. Okay. Ah. Yeah, a lot, a, lot yeah. Of good, a lot of good hires. I'm mixing them all up. <laughs> yep. So uh, talent, man. So yeah. So the, the the EMC, you know, we talked about you know reference architectures, contributions. One of the other things we have, uh, which we've talked about at, at EMC World and the OpenStack Summit, is a thing called Project Caspian, uh, which is our uh, our OpenStack solution uh, that we're working on. That is where the cloud scaling uh, guys ended up. So when uh, after the cloud scaling acquisition. Uh, they were folded into our ETD, our Emerging Technologies Division, uh, into the group that's, that's working on Caspian. So that's where our, uh, you know, we have some of our OpenStack engineering talent, like I said, in, in offices, CTO, that's doing the, the active contributions to the OpenStack code. And then we have uh, the cloud scaling team working ETD on Caspian. So Caspian's cool, though, right? I, I know Chad Sackig on his uh, blog, Virtual Geek, he's got some really cool demos of, of how that works, right? It's taking... You know, initially OpenStack, and it's going to move to things like Hadoop, and uh, but deploying those, making those, you know, from a basically from a service catalog, deploy OpenStack, uh, and I want it on these servers, and it, it rolls everything out. When it's done, it's like, hey, I'm done. I'm ready to be used. Um, very, very cool and simple. And I'm curious to see how that uh, project evolves and and where it goes, and what uh, if it's able to really drive you know uh, adoption in the OpenStack community. Well, I, I mean, I think that's where, you know, kind of mentioned earlier where I think Piston and, and Nebula and even CloudScaling kind of struggled a little was in the early days, you know, enterprises weren't, weren't involved and interested in OpenStack. Um, it was mainly startups, tech companies, uh, service providers, telcos, things like that. Uh, so there wasn't this burning desire for kind of turnkey OpenStack, if you will. Uh, I think that's why some of those companies struggled. So, uh, so now, though, I think as enterprise adoption is really picking up, there are some some desire for that. So I think you have basically we put OpenStack consumers into kind of three buckets. One is the we're going to use OpenStack you know, almost from stable or trunk code, we're contributing back, we're hiring a lot of people. Uh, that's like a Comcast, uh, if you will. So Comcast is a pretty decent-sized team. They contribute lots of lines of code. Uh, they basically contributed all the IPv6 code into Neutron, uh, came from Comcast as a customer, contributing that stuff back. So there are those type of customers. There's a type of customers that uh, obviously don't have that, that many people with that skill set, but they still want to, uh, you know, turn a lot of the knobs and that's where the distribution partners come in. So the Marantis, Canonical, Red Hat, you know, hey, I can get it. They can come in. They can help me set it up the way that's unique to me. I may have some unique requirements. Uh, and then the last is some of the enterprise, like, look, I just want to push a button, turn it on and get OpenStack. Um, that's where I think Caspian's really going to uh, resonate with. And then, like you said, over time, as it expands to offer other things like, say, Hadoop in that manner or, uh, or other things. 
And, and there's definitely a drive among uh, enterprise companies, even smaller companies than that, where certainly you want to try to adopt something, but you need what's more like an engineered solution, as it were. So OpenStack's fantastic, but now you're going out and buying a bunch of hardware and you're, you're trying to, you know, kind of think about all the things you're trying to do with that hardware. Now you're in charge of buying, you know, trying to pick hardware. Sometimes you just want to drop an OpenStack in, as it were, something that, you know, the whole thing supported. Um, and not just go grab some software and try to do it yourself. There's a, there's a bit of a different concept, right? Like, do you want to be in the business of, of building OpenStack or being in the business of running OpenStack? And that's kind of where those, those engineered platforms, as it were, makes, makes sense for certain types of consumers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, and they still get the advantage of you know, leveraging the open source code uh, and, and um, you know, taking advantage of all the things that the community is working on, having feedback to the community, things like that. And that's one of the things that you always know, sit back with open source. People talk about it's free, right? It's free software. Uh, they always say it's it's free as in speech, not as in beer. It's free um, like a puppy, right? Yeah. So <laughs> so the idea is of the reason why open source is important and why customers care about it is because they can kind of see how the sausage is being made. They can get involved in the process. They can you know give feedback. They can contribute changes. That's the value to them. It's not that they're not paying for it because in a lot of cases they are paying for it. OpenStack is is a collection of projects that they can use. Uh, vendors can use to build, for the most part, build cloud solutions with it, whether a service provider or a distribution partner or a turnkey appliance vendor. There's very few customers that have the size and skill that are going to do it themselves. So that is a, a subset. They're, like I said, the Comcast of the world. Um, but I think a large number are working with some distribution partner or a service provider. And it's it's a key component, um, but it's not free. And the thing is, is there's there's a cost associated with it. And the biggest thing right now that's hurting um, adoption is skills gap, right? So a lot of customers, they want to do this, um, but they don't have their their people don't have the right skills. And there's not a lot of people on the street to just go, oh, we'll just hire a guy who knows how to do OpenStack, yeah. right? So that's the big challenge. Yeah, so you were at, you were at uh, OpenStack Summit. Uh, in Vancouver, and uh, the the feedback that I got from some of the folks that were there, and I'm looking for you to affirm this, um, is there were people like with recruiting signs, like walking around, hey, looking for you know whatever, look OpenStack developer, you know Swift guy, whatever. Was that, is that true? Um, I I didn't see it, but I wouldn't be surprised. It's it's really tight. Um. And I think that's where the advantage is something like the Marantis has right now. They have a pretty big bench of talent. Uh, some of the other vendors have, have kind of, if talent shows up, they gobble them up. Uh, so that's kind of where the, the customers are, are being, uh, are, you know, struggling with. But, I mean, it's it's almost like uh, baseball to some degree, right? You have to you have to build some of it in your own farm system. You can't just go out and if you're going to go out and, and pick the guy that has, you know, is the MVP candidate, you're going to pay through the nose because there's not that many of them. Um, but that's where, that's where that whole... Um, uh, you know, career development, skills development really comes in. And to me, the first step is even just getting people on the customer side, you know, get away from wizards, do, you know, do some stuff with the command line, automate some things, get comfortable. Those are the first pieces. Once you get those things, get comfortable with Linux. I mean, the, the amount of customers I talk to that, hey, we're interested in this OpenStack thing. What are you guys now? We're all VMware, all Windows. <laughs> no one even knows how to work a shell script. Like, you just, just stop. Just, you know. You guys have two choices. You need to develop the skill set in house. You need to hire from the outside, which will be hard, or you're gonna, you know, keep paying, you know, quote what they call the VMware tax, right? You don't have the skills, so you're gonna yeah. have to pay someone else to have the skills. So, I mean, so, quick, quick question on that specific thing, though. If you have a customer who says, "I'm all Windows, I'm all VMware, I want to try to embrace OpenStack," 
is VIO an option there for that person? Is it still as difficult as the as as maybe the traditional way? If you don't have Linux experience or uh, staff, uh, no, VIO VIO is a is a credible option. That's the question goes back to the customers: Why do you want OpenStack? Uh, and really, it falls into two categories. We see customers coming to us with. The first one is, hey, look, we have developers. They want to do agile. They want to do more interesting things. They need not only to get uh, resources quicker, but they need to integrate it with a um, with a good API. One of the challenges, um, you know, VMware's APIs are sporadic at best, sometimes not well documented. So one of the big advantages of the OpenStack API, it's really well documented. And there's even drop-in options like EC2 uh, APIs. So if a customer is setting up, say, something like Jenkins to do uh, automated uh, continuous integration testing, Jenkins needs to spin up a bunch of VMs, run the tests, and spin them down. We need an API to point at. So that's where you know OpenStack can come in. So customers are looking for those types of things. Uh, OpenStack's a great option. It makes a lot of sense. They're successful with it. Uh, the other pile of customers is, i just been writing checks to VMware for too long, and it's too expensive. I, I heard this thing is like VMware, but free. Uh, and that goes back to your free as a puppy. This is... Um, this is where uh, this is where we see most of it when you hear OpenStack deployments struggle and fail. They're mostly in this bucket. They don't have the resources that know this type of stuff, and they're trying to kind of make OpenStack do unnatural things. Uh, so the the deal is, is OpenStack is a, is a number of things, right? It's code. It's a, it's a controller, cloud controller, compute system, but there's all pluggable back end. So I could run OpenStack services uh, with vSphere provide me that availability in you know a, a traditional uh, platform two workload so I can do that with VIO which is really easy to deploy it's an OVA you answer some questions it sets itself up I can even do that with a Marantis or Canonical and use vSphere on the back end and that's what we're starting to see customers start with is um, hey I want OpenStack I want to do it for this new platform three thing we're doing over here but then after a while they're like well we have this VMware stuff over here is there a way we can kind of like standardize APIs and things like that, and then they roll their VMware environment behind that OpenStack uh, controllers. So they still have the availability and Avamar and all that crazy stuff they're used to for their you know, kind of pets while they can have a, a standardized API. One, one of the reasons I had a customer tell me they wanted to go to, to OpenStack and specifically VIO was, hey, look, we have old school apps. They need to belong on VMware, but we wrote a bunch of – we wrote some custom stuff to the, um, to the vCloud Director APIs, and then vCloud Director went away. So like, we don't want to just keep rewriting to the latest VMware API that VMware could kill any day. And this goes back to that whole open source thing of, hey, if we go to OpenStack, we run VIO, we can write to the OpenStack APIs. Um, we have much, you know, it's a much more stable uh, API set and it's going to be there. And if VMware changes something, we're, we're still good. We could even switch to a different OpenStack uh, distribution and still get those same capabilities. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. So I'm, I'm actually meeting with um, one of my buddies from PayPal today. And uh, I know there was a big stink in the news, right, about how PayPal replaced all of their VMware environment with OpenStack. And and uh, in talking to him and actually just reading more articles about it, that's 100% not true. Now, they do have um, a big development group and, and, and use case of, of OpenStack, but VMware is very, very much still a part of of PayPal's you know, um, intellectual property and how they conduct their business day to day. Yeah, that's that's something that uh, usually when you hear a vendor says, you know, company X uses our product, there's usually more to the story than that. Um, one of the things we see is when I used to do a lot of work with Comcast, we went to this one lab and it was just filled with all this crazy gear, stuff I've never even seen before. Like, oh, what's this? Like, I don't even know what this thing is. And a lot of it was, you know, these startups would give them gear and then they'd be like, oh, well, Comcast is testing it. 
Well, it's, it's sitting in some lab. No one's actually doing anything with it, but they could, you know, they could kind of say that. What's interesting to me about the PayPal thing was, you know, PayPal started deploying uh, OpenStack for, for some new uh, use cases. Uh, they were actually working with Morantis, and um, where that whole brouhaha started up was someone from Morantis had made an offhand comment to uh, to someone uh, in the press saying, like, hey, yeah, PayPal's doing all this stuff with OpenStack. They're moving to OpenStack, you know, in the context of this smaller project. But the person ran with that as PayPal's dumping VMware and switching to OpenStack. VMware's market, market cap from when that story published, like, the next day dropped, like, $5 billion. It eventually recovered, mm. but there was just this irrational fear that, well, pay, everyone's going to switch and it's going to, you know, kind of thing. So once... PayPal had to come out and clear, you know, clear up the situation. It was it was a bit of a mess, but it was amazing. Just one comment like that could have such an effect. Yeah, it's the speculation of the speculation of the speculation, right? I mean, we've got we've got people in the marketplace trying to influence in one way, shape, or form, and 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 drive businesses up or down, and 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 those are some of those things that do that. It's unfortunate, but um, you know, it's a it's an unfortunate fact of life that we deal with today. But isn't that uh, the same kind of marketing you're in, Tyler? Oh yeah, that's that's mostly well, market stuff. So, so like when uh, oh. when when you do put out your next thing, I suggest that you just pick a random customer and say, "Hey, this customer completely switched from anything they were doing in OpenStack to our OpenStack on Caspian. Just let it roll. It'll it'll work out well." <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I, I mean, you know, the PayPal story is is really cool. Uh, I know you. I mean, coming back from you know what you're hooked into and all those kind of things, uh, I'm really curious to hear kind of like the coolest project or like one of the most unique ways. You hear somebody using OpenStack. It could even be a way that doesn't seem to naturally fit OpenStack. Yeah, I mean the two ones that are that are really interesting to me. Uh, one is it's so interesting because it's not interesting, right? It's it's just one of those things that's there, almost like a utility, you know, like water. Is uh, Concur, right? We all work for EMC, so we use Concur to do our expenses, book our trips. Uh, tons of big companies use them. Well, Concur uses OpenStack on the back end. And every one of those receipt pictures you take, receipt you scan, uh, all that stuff gets stored in their Swift Object Store, which um, they spoke at um, at the summit I think two years ago. At the time, even they were their Object Store grows by 10 million objects a month. Okay. So you can imagine the scale you're talking about there. If you think about every dumb little Starbucks receipt you scan, um, you know that they just have a huge, huge object store full of all that stuff, and you just. You just don't even think about it. What's wrong with Starbucks receipts exactly? No, nothing at all. Are they this shameless plug? Yeah, plug. Yeah. I love you, Starbucks. Yeah. So, so I mean, what else though? I mean, what, I mean, uh, concur. We that's the, that's the thing is like in our daily life, I think about when I go use things. For instance, I know when I'm using Amazon, right? I go when I when I click the Netflix button on my Vizio remote, I just wrote Amazon a check, you mm -hmm. know, for Netflix, right? I love that. Uh, even though they're a cooperator or whatever it may be, I love that thought. And so, you know, remind us of some other things day in and out that we're using that are, uh, you know, that are based on OpenStack. Uh, and I'd still like to hear something maybe that I don't get to use, but maybe I consume later. That's all about OpenStack. Cool. Yeah. So a big one, if you're a Comcast customer uh, and you're using their Xfinity platform, all those little apps. Yeah. Yeah. You guys aren't, <laughs> um, you all those little built in apps, um, are all running on OpenStack and that's what they use it for. So they can get, uh, someone can have an idea for an app to run on the cable box uh, and take it from there to available to every one of their millions and millions of subscribers in days. Uh, that's the power OpenStack brings them. One of the ones they showed off at the OpenStack Summit is a voice search. So you can hold up your, your Comcast remote and say uh, the name of a movie or TV show and it'll go find it. It'll even do movie quotes. 
So you can say, you know, a famous line from a movie, it'll show you the movie and say, click right here to buy it right now and watch it on demand. So that's 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 pretty cool. Um, the one that's, that I thought was interesting also was at the summit was um, a digital film tree. So they're a production house. Uh, they do editing, um, you know, all sorts of After Effects uh, around TV show, mainly TV shows. Do we know uh, any of their shows? Uh, NCIS, uh, NCIS Los Angeles is one. Uh, I think Supernatural. There's, I mean, you can you can look them up. They have they, they're involved in a lot of uh, TV show work. It, really interesting though is they built a platform on OpenStack uh, that they run all of their their post production and uh, they've created this this uh, service offering all running on OpenStack to allow people to to you know get the get the film from the field you know the digital film files from the field in, ingested into their system to the editors. Uh, they even have mobile apps, so a director could review cuts, you know, that quickly. They'll get an, you know, get an alert saying, "Hey, this this cut's ready." They can go and watch it right on their phone. So they've built it all on OpenStack. They're actually leveraging multiple. They have their own uh, OpenStack. Uh, they're also leveraging, I think, HP and Bluebox as well. Um, so multiple different OpenStack clouds, and, and they were one of the uh, one of the things they were showing off. They actually did this live during uh, the keynote. So if you go uh, again, go back to YouTube and watch the uh, the first day keynote. They rolled a 4K camera on stage, filmed some video, plugged into a laptop, uploaded it. They had a guy in LA download it, add some After Effects to it, um, load it back up, and and we watched it. You know, say 10 minutes later, it was it was Very pretty cool. impressive. That is that's absolutely cool, and that's I mean when we talk about all these private clouds, no matter what they're based on, you know, pri- private or public clouds that have this MNO stack and the automation and all that kind of stuff, it's really the, the benefit there is what it can do for the business, right? That's why people invest in it uh, and things like that. I mean, it's really, they, they definitely got their money out of it, right? They, they earn that money back every day on whatever they've invested in OpenStack, even if they overpaid for their talent to get the top talent in, right? So, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the thing that, uh, you, know, I, you know, whether it's, you know, IT as a whole is maturing or, or just even individuals as you deal with things. When someone says, here, check out this thing, it's cool. You know how quickly people are like, well, that's cool, but what's the application for that, right? Some of those things is, what is this going to, what is this really going to do for the business? So if we, you know, upgrade from version X to version Y of this piece of software, like, what is, what is this really doing for us, or what are we enabling the business to do? Where Comcast can say, like, hey, look, we've had this new widget that people love, that we're gaining more cable subscribers, say, or uh, you know, or some of those other things like Digital Film Tree. They're they're making it easier. You know, they basically did SneakerNet. You know, before that was. They would pile up the tape, even when they were doing uh, initial digital stuff. Uh, I know when they were making Lord of the Rings, they would put them on um, on iPods because that was the biggest digital kind of storage device you could have. And they would take it on a plane back from New Zealand to get to the editors, and, and they they carried it around. Now, you know, networks are getting bigger and faster, and then now all these type of capabilities like digital film tree has to uh, to enable that. Where it's just, hey, I just uploaded from my laptop. So, Speaking of Lord yeah. of the Rings, would would you want to live in that time? So, I don't think so. I'm 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 kind of I'm kind of pampered and lazy. So, <laughs> so I'm I'm pretty good. You know, people like say, hey, it's a much simpler times. And in some cases, there there's that too. But you know, when the uh, you know when you, when the fix for most injuries is some bloodletting and, and things like that, I don't know if that would I don't know if that would work for me. Leeches, yeah. Yeah. I had a customer one time that was, we were talking about um, you know doomsday preppers and the whole idea of prepping. And the you know the whole concept of prepping in general is the idea of staying alive, right? I mean, you just, how can you stay alive when when the bad stuff comes down? And for for example, when a million orcs are coming at you, <laughs> not sure 
what prepping can do for you in that case. But he, he made a great comment. He's like, I'm the kind of guy, a little bit like me and Tyler, where you're just kind of, eh, whatever. I, I want to go first. Please, be, <laughs> please kill me swiftly and get me out of this because I don't want to try to last in that kind of world. I, I need my air conditioning. I need my shower. You know, I need all my limbs and things like that. Don't want what if you had magical powers? Like if you, if you were Gandalf, right? I mean, would would that be worth it? Would well, you now, be willing to to do that? Now you just change the game, right? You, yeah, I'm you just made, saying. I'm, you, I'll you, throw it out there. You, I was a Hobbit, not you know, like a, which I love second launches, by the way. But I was a Hobbit, and now you're t- telling me I'm a wizard, and yeah. that's a totally different game. You know, maybe if I'm a tree person, whatever it is, different game. But in general, if I'm just a if I'm just like one of the people who's on the side of the set as compared to one of the eleven in the ring, kill me, <laughs> kill me quick, put me in the okay. front and get me out of there. All right, so it is. It's no, but possibly depending on who I can be, right? Yes. So I mean, there's always circumstances, right? I mean, if you're the guy who's running that, you know, crazy world, if you're Saruman or Sauron or whatever, you're. I mean, that's cool because then you're you're in charge, right? But there's only there's only one dude in charge of this crazy, you know, Mad Max afterworld, right? There's that one guy that everybody else is, is uh, pampering to, and then the hero kills him. You 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 want to be that guy until you die. Otherwise, it's not it's not a fun ride. Everybody else is there to serve the guy who's in charge. Well, we're going down a movie. I'm I'm taking you there. I'm taking you down a movie like rabbit hole here. You said Mad Max again. I've had uh, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. Uh, I'd love to get your feedback because what I've heard has been very very mixed reviews on people liking it and absolutely hating it. So did you see it? What did about you? you like it? Yeah. What about you, Tyler? No, I'm trying to think. The last uh, last movie I saw in the theater, it's it's been a little while. I'm very I'm very selective because again, back to the laziness. I'll just wait for it to come out on uh, on demand or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I have like, a great, my couch is way more comfortable. I got a great six seat theater upstairs. That's where most of my movies get watched. Mad Max Weekend. I I did go to the theater, and I saw a fantastic movie, but I did not see Mad Max. <laughs> oh my gosh, what did you see? Yeah, I saw Pitch Perfect too. Not uh, <laughs> I still haven't seen it. Not once, not twice, but three times. Oh my god! Just give me your man card, dude. Like, look, I liked the first one, and but I did not watch it until probably it was released on like PBS or something. And finally, I watched it, and I fell in love with the movie. Which the is why, one, which is why I watched the second one three times. But I wouldn't go to the theater and and pay three times to see it. I would wait for it to come out and hope that it was good. Now. I know people that saw it um, and said that the second one was not n- not as good as the first one. They were trying too hard, kind of like Anchorman too. Well, any, any, any sequel that you know you, you deal with the how much of it are you doing callbacks from the first movie and how much are you trying to break new ground? It's 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 a tough. So, I mean, name a sequel that's better than the original. Terminator, Terminator 2. 2. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that's oh, a, wow. That that's... was not scheduled uh, or written or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, wow. I, I believe... The exception uh, proves the rule, though. I believe <laughs> Pitch case. Perfect 2 uh, stands on its own and will be the exact same synonymous answer 10 years from now. <laughs> it will be a classic. Uh, everybody will have to watch it no. in school. It's going to be stop. like Of Mice and Men and Pitch Perfect 2. <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, it, it, was, I, it was a great movie. It was extremely entertaining. Um, I love to sing horribly every chance I get, and uh, I like to sing along to it, have the soundtrack, everything like that. And uh, you know, you can have my man card because I was in a theater with like thirty or forty cougars watching this thing on like a <laughs> Thursday night. Uh, if you don't know a targeted rich environment, then you, you just don't know what you're doing. 
Yeah, but you're married. We're married, right? So it doesn't really matter for us. So. Yeah, it mattered. It still matters. They love you. They love you for it. And meanwhile, you were in a room of a bunch of dudes that look like you watching Mad Max. So what, this is true. whatever life decisions you make, that's up to you. This is yeah, true. My, my, my big challenge is, for me, the closest movie theater is a movie tavern. So that's a much bigger commitment where you're like, I'm not just popping in, grabbing some popcorn and sitting and watching a movie. Like, I'm getting a big plate of nachos. They do one of the big, you know, beer stein, refillable oh, yeah. beer stein deals and all that stuff. It's that's a that's a commitment. Well, what's the place in Texas, Brian? Isn't that the Alamo? Well, there's there a- there's Alamo Draft House, but by my place there's a place called IPIC Theaters, which I I think it's out of Australia even. It's fantastic. You know, they get the Barca Lounger. Uh, if uh, maybe I just said like lazy boy type thing, you can sit in and they get them in groups. You pick your exact seat you want. So if I'm, if I want to go to a certain showing, I get the exact seat I want or else I can skip and go to another one. And I plan on doing the exact same thing for Jurassic world here this Mm. weekend. Um, because that, that's also another movie that I just absolutely love. Um, but you know, I, I love those sit down places. Although you come out of there about $2,000 poor, right? (laughs) It's it's 72 bucks for a ticket. It's a nine hundred and two dollars for two martinis, uh, you know, whatever it may be. If you want some jujubes, that's thirty two bucks. I think and the movie's free. You get to go yeah. to the movie for free. Yeah, yeah, I know. I don't know what kind. Are you getting really high quality martinis though at a uh, movie theater? You know, this place though has a bar up top called Salt, and let me tell you, that bar is probably one of the best bars in in Fairview, as it were, or in Fairview and Allen. It's one of the highest, uh, highest, most upscale bars in all of the area. So you, you know, it isn't. It's a pretty good situation going on there. I mean, they have they have pretty good wine going on there for the yeah. girls. So again, so, you- so are you a okay? Now, my sister and I got into this argument many years ago. There's the whole concept of what a true martini is. Now, is it a gin or is it a vodka martini? What is what is your preference, and what do you believe is the true martini? That's a, that's a tough. See, I prefer I I'll do either. I prefer vodka. Um, then the question, you know, you get people that ultra purists. It's it's got to be gin and vermouth, or it's not a martini. Mm-hmm. To hey, as long as it comes in that martini glass, it's a martini. <laughs> yeah. So you know, that's that's the other end of the spectrum. Um, I think I think the key is it's gin or vodka, and it's mostly gin or vodka. Yeah, there's my, yeah. You know, a little bit of vermouth or a little bit of uh, you know I'm, I'm I like dirty martinis, right? So a little olive juice, that's cool. But yeah, once you start getting into it's a shot, it's a you know a, a fluorescent shot poured in a martini glasses, that's not really a martini. If you yeah. gave me a a jar of olive juice and poured a shot of vodka in there, that'd be the best martini I ever had. Oh, but, oh absolutely. Uh, yeah, but oh, on top of that, it's like a swamp. So I have two Healthy. I have two answers for this. Number one is. <laughs> Whatever the martini is that um, uh, James Bond or, uh, orders, that's uh, that's rule number one. Whatever that is, it's got. I don't even know what it is, but that's rule number. So one. yeah, how do you order it if you don't know what it is? I'll just, I just have what I'll he's go, having. Yeah, James Bond. <laughs> and you know, uh, number two is a green apple martini because if you're going to do it, just go bold. You know, let oh, it look okay. like. Were you one of the guys that put a, a, a Jolly Rancher into your Zimas? Yeah. In high school. In so now you're asking me to admit to drinking in high school, and so the answer is yes. Um, Attaboy. But yeah, I, I I loved all that stuff. We uh, we digress a little bit. We're getting here towards the end, and that, it was good to know that um, Tyler and I share a love for olive juice and uh, things like that. And I also love to make my uh, Bloody Marys into like whole buffets, right? Like put me a little a slider on my Bloody Mary. We're good Absolutely. to go. Um, but I, you know, we're talking about enabling things. You mentioned something earlier, dude, which was the whole idea of kind of getting people going and stuff like that. And Brett and I now have our open stack training wheels. Thanks to you, right? We're ready to go. Yep. We're excited for the week. 
and I've got my home lab, you know, in the room next door here, I've got to get OpenStack set up. And you were talking to me about this in California. Explain to me how we get this installed in our home labs and let's send everybody off with a way to go get this going so we can all become OpenStackers. Sure. Yeah. So, so just like uh, all things OpenStack, there's a myriad of ways to do it, right? So the most simple is a thing called DevStack. It's actually what the developers usually use to test things, spin them up really quick. Uh, so if you if you go Google DevStack, basically all you need is um, you gotta start with Linux. You install, you, you pull down, you do a git clone down, and you run one command. Uh, if it, if you go to my uh, GitHub GitHub.com/vmtyler, there is a um, a uh, Vagrant setup. So if you're not familiar with Vagrant, check out Vagrant. Makes things really easy. It'll build a Ubuntu VM and set up DevStack. So one command, Vagrant up, and and you'll have a, a working uh, basic OpenStack environment. If you're looking for something a little more, like hey, I actually want to run VMs on it uh, more than just see the interface and kick the tires, but I actually want to run a little environment. The two easiest ways to install kind of what I would consider more of a production grade OpenStack uh, is. Uh, Red Hat RDO, they have a thing called Packstack, which leverages Puppet to basically install the components. Uh, another one is Mirantis has a tool called Fuel. Uh, so you basically you download this ISO, you boot it up, uh, and you install this um, you install this what they call a Fuel Master, which basically then all you do is stand up a bunch of either physical or virtual machines that can see it, so it pixie boots them, and then it'll set them all up. So you can drag, it's a little web interface, you drag and drop. And again, they have a Vagrant setup for that as well, a script that sets everything up for you. So check out Mirantis.com. Uh, like I said, check out DevStack is another one, or PackStack. There are three really good ways to kick the tires on it. Um, the key things going into it is, you know, get your get the get the rust off your Linux skills. So, the, you know, how to use all the different you know different Linux editors. If you like Nano, Vi, Vim, I don't really care. Pick one. Uh, screen. So if you've never used the screen command, uh, it's very common in DevStack to, instead of outputting logs to a log file, which you then have to edit, uh, it outputs them to screen, which allows you to set basically multiple terminal windows at the same time that you can switch between. Uh, so some of those type of commands, all the all the different things you can, you know, pipe, grep more, all those things, just start to, start to get comfortable with Linux, and that will help you a long way too. Awesome. Thanks, Tyler. That's, uh, that's awesome. Cool. Well, we kind of reached this, uh, we're getting close to the hour here and, uh, we're trying to, we're trying to keep these down a bit on, uh, or at least close to an hour as possible. It's cause that's what we promised people. So, um, you know, we'll send us, we're going to send us all off and get back to the work day. Maybe go eat some lunch for me and Tyler and Brent. You can actually just, you know, put some clothes on and get to work. <laughs> <laughs> so I do have one question again for the Tylers. We've got you here. He can't fight back. He can't do anything. I want to hear the best story you've got about the other Tyler that we can possibly tell. So I guess the best story would be, I want to say it was PEX. I think it was PEX last year, VMware Partner Exchange in San Francisco. Um, there may have been a, 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 a few too many cocktails had by all. Um, we were in, what's that, what's that place um, right off, of, it's like right by the Apple store there that it's like a, um, it changed names. Cable like, car? Cable car? Yeah, 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 exactly. So we're, we're a cable car and... Uh, Sitting there, and uh, a a heavily inebriated uh, Mr. Baker says, "Hey, look, they have a Jägermeister flag. You know who would like that? Fred Nix." He's like, "I'm gonna take it." I'm like, "No, you're not." He's like, "Yeah, I'm totally gonna take it." So he he absconded with the, the Jäger flag, and did not remember it till the next day when he woke up in his bed with a Jäger flag. <laughs> so where the hell did this come from? <laughs> That's probably the best thing he could have possibly ever woken up with in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, really. 
Well, we appreciate you coming on, Tyler. Uh, As usual, you were uh, a genius and extremely entertaining. Cool, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. We all learned something new today, and uh, we're going to walk away smarter people, hopefully. Well, thanks for everybody for listening, and uh, tune in next week because we're going to have another guest who is smarter than both myself and Brent and an entire library combined. Ooh. Yeah, I agree. All right, everyone. Well, have a great day, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us on the Hot Aisle. I'm Brent Piotti. I'm Brian Carpenter. See ya.